Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Mitchell and Jessica Kanata. If you're looking for ways to bring rigor and engagement to your middle school ELA classroom without sacrificing your nights and weekends, then this podcast is for you. Our goal is to provide you with your weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can actually enjoy teaching again. We'll help you bring the fun and creativity to your ELA lessons so that your students master the standards and you can leave school when the bell rings. Get ready to be that teacher you've always wanted to be to do great work and thrive. All right, welcome back, you guys. We are excited to be talking about some low prep ideas for creating defining moments in your ELA class. And this idea, Jessica, was sparked from a book that our entire team read all about creating defining moments um, just in our lives with our families, you know, with our EV teachers and our community on the podcast here. And so we're like, what a great idea to bring this concept for our teachers who are listeners. So you can do this in your classroom too. So I'm going to turn it over to Jessica to start by, by sharing an interesting story about a teacher that her son had who did this exact thing. Yeah. So in case you're new to the podcast, or maybe you haven't heard me say before, I have three children and my middle son, Davey, he was in kindergarten last year and I was lucky to be one of the room moms. So I got to go into his classroom and, you know, like help out as needed. And in May of last year, I went in because his teacher, Mrs. Parrish, was having like a special event she needed help with. And by the way, Mrs. Parrish was just like a dream of a kindergarten teacher. She did so many cool things, but this one stood out to me. So Davy's class had been studying Q and U, right? And how they always go together in writing. And I know a lot of kindergarten teachers end up doing this, but I like how Mrs. Parrish did a fun twist on it. And so his teacher to like reinforce that concept that Q and U are almost always together in a word they had a wedding for Q and U in the classroom. And what was fun for the kids is like, they got to dress up. They knew it was a special day and she had bubbles for them. And there was a cake and it said Q and U forever. And she had sparkling cider, like every kid loves that, right? It was a total sugar rush. And there was a dance party and the principal came in and did like these vows between Q and U and gave examples of words where they're always together in those words. And it just really like brought the concept home for the kids about those letters. And months later, when Davey was reflecting back on kindergarten, he had to do like a little writing assignment. This was his favorite moment of all of kindergarten. It was the wedding of Q and U. And I thought that was interesting that he picked that. And really it was because Mrs. Parrish had created a peak experience for her students. And this is something we actually touched on in episode 193, where we talked about how school should be more like sports. But in this example, this wedding of Q and U, students weren't playing in a high stakes game like we talked about in that episode, but rather Mrs. Parrish elevated the moment. She created a peak experience by doing two things in particular. I love this. One, she boosted sensory appeal. And two, she broke the script. And these concepts come from that book that Caitlin mentioned at the start of this episode. The book is called The Power of Moments. And I highly, highly recommend you read it. It's wonderful. Whether you're an educator or a parent, both, it's just filled with ideas. And according to this book, right, sensory appeal is basically taking reality and then turning up the volume. So let's think about how Mrs. Parrish did this, right? She had cake 
She had that sparkling cider. She had bubbles. There was music playing. There was dancing after the ceremony. Students got to dress up, like I said, in their fanciest clothes. That's pretty exciting for them. So it was evident for these five and six-year-olds that something special was happening in kindergarten that day. And things clearly were different than usual. So Mrs. Perch tapped into those kindergartners' senses and she elevated the experience. And then she also broke the script on this particular school day. And this is also known as a strategic surprise. So I want you to think about this. The usual language arts script in kindergarten might include something like this. The teacher does direct instruction. Maybe it's about a particular phonics concept. And then the students, maybe they sit in groups or they do independent work. And it's usually like a worksheet on that phonics concept. But for Q&U's wedding, Mrs. Parrish broke the script. There was very minimal direct instruction about how Q&U are always together. What she, instead, what she focused on was the actual wedding of the two letters itself. And there were elements of surprise in those 30 minutes of class time, right? The students knew like, okay, Q and you are getting married and yes, we get to dress up, but they didn't know about the cake, the bubbles, the cider, the dance, all that stuff. So language arts class on that Friday morning looked nothing like it usually did. And it was completely memorable. So today we're gonna to be talking about how can you take this defining moment or this idea of a defining moment that Davies kindergarten class experienced and create defining moments of your own by boosting the sensory appeal and breaking the script. Yeah, and that's what we're gonna share with you today is three just really low prep ideas that you can use in your classroom to surprise, right? That element that Jessica talked about and delight your students to make the lesson memorable. And so the first thing I wanna say is this is not something like you're doing every single day in your class. Like we're not creating memorable well, moments every day as much as fun that would be. Well, then they would be memorable. Yeah, very true, very true. Um, so what we are gonna talk about though are three low prep ideas that you can can use in your classroom. Um, and these all make what we call wonderful into lessons. So if you're not familiar with our EV lesson planning framework, we have into lessons, through lessons, and beyond lessons. That's how we structure all of our curriculum. That's how we suggest our teachers do as well. And we want you to think of an into lesson as like one or two class periods at the start of a unit that really hooks your students or it's gonna provide them with background knowledge that will help them succeed during the unit. So the into is like the beginnings of a unit with your students. So we're gonna break this down by sharing a defining moment idea and then giving you an action item. Because I always say this, it's great to hear like aha moments, you're like, yeah, that's great. And the magic happens when you actually take inspired action and you use it in your classroom. It's great to sit and listen. It's another thing to go implement. So we're going to give you the idea and then we're going to give you an action item to go implement it. So the first idea for creating a defining moment in your ELA class is to boost sensory appeal. It's very simple, but very powerful by playing audio that relates to the particular unit that you are beginning. So we're gonna give you an example of this in action. So maybe you can start to think about, okay, what text do I have that has a sound that might be really powerful to use with my students? Immediately, I'm already thinking of like the Raven or an Edgar Allan Poe, the fall Ooh, of the house of Usher and things like that, right? So for example, in our EV short story unit for the treasure of lemon brown, the into activity that we have in there that begins with students listening to a recording of rain and thunder. 
So occasionally you'll hear the wind and the screech of tires on wet pavement, followed by a distant horn. So if students are listening to this in the into activity, we're boosting right that sensory appeal to them. So Jessica, I'm going to let you share a little bit more about this. Sure. So the students listen to this audio clip and they're sitting in small groups and their task is to make predictions about the setting of the story. So they don't know anything about the story yet. They might not even know the title. It's up to you if you choose to give it to them. And what they have to do is listen to the audio, write their predictions, and then justify how the sounds from the audio clip factored into their prediction. So I want to give you an example of what this looks like. So you really see how they're using the audio as evidence and then justifying their response. So a student might write, I predict this story takes place in a city during a thunderstorm. The time period of the story is at least somewhat modern. I can tell the setting takes place in a city because I hear a traffic, I hear those horns and those sirens. And then these sounds support the idea that the story takes place at least somewhat in modern times because the heavy traffic and sirens that I'm hearing, those are like today's city noises. And finally, the rain, the wind, and the thunder show at least some of the story will take place during a thunderstorm. So their students are writing that stuff down, they're talking about it. And then to extend the lesson even further, we have students participate in five word wonder. So this is where you give students five words that are relevant to the story. So I'm gonna give you the five words we use for the treasure of lemon brown. Scorpions, storms, howled, war, and father. So now students have listened to that audio. They have those five words and they work in their small groups to now write like a more detailed prediction of what they think the story is about. Yeah. And their prediction, right, obviously has to reasonably fit into the setting that they predicted in that earlier activity. So you can do the same exact concept with really any text that you you have in your class period, right? Just all about finding that audio. And so the whole time students are participating in the five word wonder, you're also going to want to play that audio clip continuously. That's going to help immerse students really into the setting of the story. And I think about this because, you know, when I'm watching, I'm really afraid of um, scary movies. Like I can't do scary anything. And so when there's a scary preview on the TV, I mute it and I'm like, I can still watch it and I'm totally unaffected, right? It's the sound of that clip that makes me anxious, right? That like builds that emotion in me. And so that's really what we're doing here with playing well-intentioned sound effects. That's going to turn up the volume on reality, as opposed to just reading those five words on the board. They're now immersed in this experience, right? You're taking elements of the story and actually incorporating them into the physical space of your classroom. So such a great concept. We want to give you an action item now. So we want you to consider any of the short stories or the novels or the plays or whatever it is that you plan on teaching this year that would be perfect for an audio clip accompanied by that five word wonder. So choose one. You can search for, you know, appropriate YouTube sound effects to create this into lesson in order to have that really cool defining moment for your students. Love that idea. So awesome. Same. So much fun. Okay. Idea number two for creating a defining moment in your ELA classroom. So this time we're going to boost sensory appeal by intentionally changing what students see in the classroom. So in that last example, we focused on an auditory idea. This one, it's all about the visual. So here's an example of it in action. In our EB short story unit for Shirley Jackson's The Lottery, at the very beginning of the unit, we instruct teachers to hang tons of posters around their classroom and in the hallway around their door, 
all in the days leading up to the unit. And we include the poster in this resource, or you know, you can easily make this on your own. But basically, it says in huge writing, June 27th, where? Town Square. Who? All villagers. Everyone is expected to attend. No excuses. This is an exact reference to the story and, of course, the lottery event that takes place in the village town square every June 27th. So I want you to just imagine we're talking 40, 50, 60 of these posters that all of a sudden are just hanging in and around your classroom when students show up to class one day. Think about that. They walk in, they see this. There's bound to create some buzz and get students kind of curious, right? Especially if you don't address them at all. Students are going to ask you, like, well, what does that mean? Or you're going to hear them talking to each other. And you just kind of shrug your shoulders mysteriously when they come up and ask you about it. So now before students are even reading the short story, they don't even know what the story is yet. Their interest is peaked and they're more likely to be invested in the plot. And it's so fun when I did this with my eighth graders, they're like, wait, but Mrs. Mitchell, like there's no school on June 27th. So does that mean that we're coming back? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't hang those posters up. They're like, come on. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm just as perplexed as you are. Right. I love it. You think they're so it. mature. And then they have questions like that. Like, do I have to come back to school? <laughs> like, no, of course you don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, it's really, it's just fun to see what they say. So what makes this a defining moment is that natural curiosity, right? That comes from the posters. It's not simply to boost the sensory appeal with a cool visual. It's very like in depth. We're getting students excited about what it is that we are doing with our, our curriculum, right? So instead you want the visuals to really spark that curiosity, right? So it might be necessary to include something like a thought provoking question or an interesting phrase. If there isn't something like from the lottery where you have this specific date and location, all that stuff, or you could put one together, you could make one up that like makes sense with the story, right? But what takes it over the top is the amount of posters, right? So we have the poster. We just put one on our front bulletin board, like they might miss it. They might not even see it, but I'm talking like I put them freaking everywhere. Right. So one poster might get noticed like a student or two, but when you have scores of posters all around your classroom, on your dorm, prominent places, whatever, they can't be missed. Right. And of course the environmentalist in me would, as I'm talking about this, I'm like, Oh, it makes my stomach hurt. I would be remiss to not mention that you can laminate or print these on cardstock and save them year after year after year. So you're not wasting paper each year that you do this um, because it is really powerful. It is a really powerful experience for our students and we don't want to waste paper. So cardstock or laminate them so that you can use them over and over again. I actually still have the ones that I had in my classroom, literally <laughs> like right next to me. So your action item for this idea is to consider, you know, again, what short stories, what novels, or even like, I don't know, some grammar concept that maybe you're super creative and you come up with a really cool idea. And if you do share it with us on Instagram, something that you plan on teaching this year, that would be perfect for this heightened visual experience where right? we talked about audio. Now we're talking about visual. So choose one and determine an interesting question or an interesting phrase or an interesting like event that you're setting up. That's going to hook your students and pair it with a corresponding visual for that particular text. So to give you another example, if you're reading the most dangerous game with your students, Maybe you print out a bunch of images of a mysterious island and you hang them up around the room. 
Perhaps there's a sign that says, welcome to Ship Trap Island. Maybe there's another one that states, is playing by the rules always the right thing to do, right? So I even did these with Romeo and Juliet as anticipation questions. You know, what age is too young to marry was one of them. Like that sparked a really interesting conversation with my students. Is true love possible at first sight? So we can put these thought-provoking questions up around our classrooms too. So it doesn't necessarily have to be exactly like the lottery. The whole goal though, is to create this heightened visual experience for your students the day before your literature unit begins and watch them be like, huh, what the heck is that about? Right? So that's what we're trying to get from our students here. So that's idea number two. And on to idea number three for creating that defining moment in your ELA classroom. This one's all about flipping the script so that students aren't experiencing like their typical ELA class period. But in order to flip a script, you first have to be aware of like the script you're actually following, right? Or you're already following. So we want you to reflect on how you typically run your ELA class. Do your students walk in? Maybe they complete a bell ringer or do a quick grammar review. Then do you deliver your direct instruction for your reading or writing lesson? And then maybe it's group work or independent work. Is it something else? So kind of just note your typical daily routines and then brainstorm ways to completely flip them on their head, surprise and delight your students. So we want to give you an example of this in action. This is from issue 40 in the EB Teachers Club. And if you're not a member, um, all our monthly, monthly issues follow the EB planning framework that we talked about earlier, that into, through, and beyond lesson. We're always mentioning that in podcast episodes. So this would be the into lesson where we focus on introducing the concept. And in this case, it's all about writing evidence-based paragraphs. So like a constructed response. So the lesson starts off where students are doing a paragraph sort. They are taking each component, like a tag, a summary, a claim, and they're piecing it together to create a paragraph that makes sense. So they have to use the knowledge of the framework and they place sentence strips in order. And what they believe is like, this is a paragraph that makes the most sense. So this sounds pretty standard, right? Like it's definitely an ELA topic that students are focused on. They're probably used to doing something like this, but then imagine the fun if right before students start that activity, you told them, okay, guys, you know, you're no longer students in my class. Instead, we're going to completely pretend that we've been transported to two rival high schools right now. And you need to use your knowledge of this sentence sort that you're about to do to help solve a crime. So like very easily, the script is changing. So even though we're doing a, like a standard, like we might do this any day, right? A sentence mm-hmm. sort or a paragraph sort, it's fun. But here, like we're creating a narrative around it. We're creating a story around it. We're creating an experience around it. And so students might think, oh, well, if my teacher says that, class is gonna be a little bit different today, right? This is a little bit fun, right? We're competing, right? I love anything that has to do with competition, right? But we really haven't completely defined the moment yet, right? We can't just say that, right? We gotta take it just a little bit further. So in this case, the teacher might then pass out character cards to each student. And now students are participating in like a mystery party. I think they have those like murder mystery parties for adults and things like yeah. that, that you can like buy and they send them to you. Right. It's I remember. Hit. It's yeah. Cool. I feel like I watched one on Real Housewives of New York. I feel like it's something. <laughs> yeah. With so Bethany. Like exactly. Exactly. So in this case, the teacher is going to tell students you know, that class is over and now they all have just gone to a homecoming game. So again, we're setting the scene, like we're, we're being a little bit creative and thinking outside the box here. This isn't just your typical day, but unfortunately in this case, Bluestone high school's mascot costume was stolen before the homecoming halftime show. (laughs) 
silly, but also fun for students, right? Right. The two schools principals have called a meeting in Bluestone's gym the day after homecoming to determine the culprit. Like who is the person who stole the mascot costume? So they've asked the soccer players or cheerleaders or dance team members or the marching band, the school mascot, even some spectators to help come solve this particular mystery. And the thief, though, is among the students. And the students participate then in a reader's theater to determine who is the guilty one. So students follow a script, they mingle around, they ask one another questions, and ultimately they write a text-dependent paragraph identifying the guilty character using evidence from the activity. So with this particular moment that we've created with teachers, the script has totally been flipped, right? Students are role-playing. They are out of their seats. They are working together to solve a crime. They're not just sorting a paragraph sentences, which is still fun in and of itself, but here we're elevating it to a whole other level, right? So this is not just class as usual, even though students are participating in standards-lined activities. It is a defining moment. It's one of those moments that they're likely to remember. Years later, when they're 36 years old, they look back, oh yeah, I remember when Mr. Yeager did that, right? So that's what we're creating for them here. How fun, right? I would have loved doing something like that. Totally. I just remember Mr. Yeager always standing on desks. I feel like he was um, mimicking uh, Robin Williams. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> totally. No, he sounds great. <laughs> um, okay. Action item for you. How can you flip the script in your own classroom in a way that's similar to this example that we provided? So we want you to consider an ELA topic that you might address this year. Is it phrases and clauses? Is it writing narratives? Is it nailing down your speaking and listening standards with a Socratic seminar? And just ask yourself, like, what do my students expect those lessons to be like? So think about your current ELA scripts. With phrases and clauses, if you're covering that in class, it might be direct instruction, a worksheet, maybe some review, and then a quiz. Or for narrative writing, probably it's pretty standard. It's like a brainstorming period write the rough draft, peer edit, and then write the final draft. Or a Socratic seminar, maybe you've done them, right? It's your students sitting in a circle. You've given them eight critical thinking questions, and they're going to discuss Esperanza Rising chapters one through six. So now we want you to consider, though, some low prep alternatives that will help you flip the script on those activities or those concepts and create a defining moment for those topics. And so we want to give you some examples for these that Jessica mentioned. So for one of them, like after reviewing phrases and clauses with your students, because we do still feel like direct instruction is important, especially for grammar, you're going to split your class into two different groups. And you can have students uh, create a game show for the other half of the class to participate in and show off their phrases and clauses knowledge. So again, students here are creating the moment. So how can we use our students to help us create moments, which actually creates an even cooler moment because our students are now involved even deep, more deeply, right? In what it is that we're doing. So in this case, you might play some cheesy, like game show music from YouTube to boost that sensory appeal that we talked about that auditory, right? And encourage students to try out their best impression of a game show host. Maybe they want to be Vanna White or Pat <laughs> Sajak or Alex Trebek, right? Our, our standard uh, hosts that come to mind or for narrative writing, right? Perhaps students, you know, you want to tell them that they're only going to write half of a narrative, right? Let's face it. They'll be happy about that if we tell them that information. So they'll write a lead, (laughs) right? (laughs) They'll write a lead and a few body paragraphs, but then have them end their narrative like abruptly. And the goal with this is to create a narrative so interesting that the reader is left like desperately wanting to know what happens next. It's like, wait, why'd you just end the story? What show ended like that? 
on Netflix from years ago. It was like a mafia. Wait, what? Now I want to watch. Sopranos, right? Okay. Was it like Sopranos? Like the very end of the whole thing was just a black screen and everyone was like, what just happened? I right? love it. Oh, that's a good example. I think <laughs> right? it's been a while since I've watched it. <laughs> totally. Um, so then what you would do is you would host like a publishing party where students can showcase their narratives. You might do a gallery walk or have students read aloud their excerpt, anything that really gets students reading or listening to their classmates writing. And since all of these narratives are unfinished, right, highly engaging narratives that end with that cliffhanger or end in suspense, it's not going to take as long for students to read through or listen to everything, right? And they're engaged because at the end of it, they're like, wait, wait, what? Okay. So again, you can boost that sensory appeal by bringing in snacks while students read or make it a glow party. Like I know some of our teachers are done. In that case, you would turn off all the lights. You would let students bring glow bracelets or necklaces that you can find on Amazon if that's something that you want to do um, as they read their classmates' narratives and leave like a glow note on a post-it at each story. So there are ways that we can take the mundane and make them really engaging and creating those moments. And we can do the same thing for a Socratic seminar, right? We can elevate that experience. Imagine if you invited a surprise guest or two to participate in your next Socratic seminar. So in advance of the seminar, right, you invite your principal or another teacher or a past student, or even better if it's like someone from your community to come participate as well. So what you do is you have your guest or guests um, read the short story or text in advance. You give them a preview of your questions and then it actually, I should say, it works best for a short story because you don't want to like bombard your guests with a novel they have to read. So keep the text <laughs> short, right? But before the Socratic seminar begins, you tell your students that there's going to be a surprise guest. They need to bring their A game, right? There's a new audience member there. It's not just class as usual. So they're going to show up more prepared as well. And you can be as strategic as you like with this, right? It's just, it's so much fun. So imagine how cool it would be for your students if a local police officer or a judge or a lawyer came to discuss the ramifications of Mary or for Mary Maloney in Lamb to the Slaughter. So like that's the short story your students are reading and you bring in someone from law, the law field or law enforcement and they come and give their perspective. Like that is so cool for them. Or even if you give them a glimpse into your personal life, if, if you're comfortable with that, right? Like I loved having my mom come into the classroom or my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, he would come in and he would talk about a particular topic that he was more knowledgeable about than me. And my students were so into it. It was just someone different in the classroom. So it's, again, it's a way to flip the script on an otherwise normal day and it makes it memorable. Yeah, totally. I love it. And it makes me think my husband, Bob never came into my classroom, but he did visit one day and he like stood outside the door and it was like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah can't focus the rest like of the day. Star. Mrs. <laughs> Mitchell's husband was here, right? It was just like this whole crazy freaking mm -hmm. thing. Anyway, so imagine bringing someone like that into your classroom. Like it's going to be cool for your students. So we really hope that these ideas, you know, spark something for you in creating those defining moments in your own ELA classroom. And if you're still feeling like a bit intimidated about how to go about doing this in your class, make sure to listen to an upcoming episode in the coming weeks where we're going to share a no prep Halloween activity that your students are going to love. And it very easily has you boost that sensory appeal and break the script like we talked about. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, go ahead and leave us a review and let us know what you think. And we will see you next week on the podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.